Welcome to the Mission Driven Mom podcast. This podcast is for moms just like you who want to learn how to glorify God through finding and embracing true principles, discovering and developing your greatest gifts, and using them to serve your family and community. Hello, and welcome to this interview with Gail Rizika. She is the president of the Utah Eagle Forum, but what she's most proud of is that she's the mother of 12, and she had to think about this for a minute, but she is the wife of 46 years. She had to count for just a second because it's been so long and such a happy marriage. Took her a minute to remember that it was 46 years, which I thought was really sweet. Gail, welcome. Thank you so much for taking time. It's so funny. When I first contacted Gail to do this interview, it was kind of early on in the coronavirus stuff. And um, her first response was, well, sure, we've all got a lot of time. The legislature just finished and I'll have time to do it. And turns out, actually, she's busier than ever. People won't stop bothering her and the phone is ringing like crazy and uh, she's staying up till 2 a.m. still to get things done. So poor Gail, she's in demand because of her experience and, and wisdom. So thanks for joining Gail and I this afternoon. Gail, I just want to start out <clears throat> and have you first kind of tell us about your childhood and growing up. Oh, you know, that your parents, your family, all of that good stuff. Yeah, it was simple and a fun time. I lived in a in a small town in Idaho and uh, it it isn't as small now as it was then, but it was small then. And, you know, that was back in the olden days when you walked to school with your friends and you got on your bicycle and rode to the swimming pool. That's what you did in the summer is every day, you know, because swimming team, all those things that you you see in the movies now and, and, and. And you weren't afraid, you know, I think now about how far I used to ride my bicycle to get to the swimming pool and nobody thought anything of it. That was just the way you did things. And so I I just, I just grew up in a, in a, in a great community and with a mother and father and I had a brother and a sister, there were just three children and, and it was a good life. It was a good life. And and I had the opportunity to uh, make a lot of friends and play with my friends, you know, as, as, as children, we, we played together. We did things together. And basically we stayed in the same houses. The neighborhood stayed the same. And I, wow. and I loved that. I loved that. That was, uh, that, that was a, a good, a good way to grow up. Yeah. So were your um, parents politically active or did you guys do any of that kind of were, stuff? You, you know, know, my parents were very politically active and uh, they were Democrats. <laughs> and <laughs> it, it, uh, being a Democrat was a little different back in the day, though. Well, yeah, it was really different back then. And, and but it was, it was my, my father was the president of his union as long as I could ever remember. Really? But we just did things, you know, politically. Our family was very political. I, everything I learned about being involved, I learned from my parents. And then, much wow. to their dismay, I became a Republican. <laughs> so really, uh, sometimes I think that was the hardest thing they ever had to deal with. But <laughs> they kind of got over it. <laughs> but they never did change parties, huh? Oh no, 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 no! They wouldn't do, think of that. <laughs> that was oh. they were Democrats. They they were politically active uh, Democrats. But it was interesting. My sister and I both hit a point in our life where we started when we started really studying and reading and. 
discovered that for us it was a different a different way to go. But my parents were well known for what they their their hard work and, and the Democratic Party and wow. You know, I remember one time as a child uh, walking through a, a mall that didn't have malls a lot. Then the first mall that we got, you know, if you could call it that. And mm-hmm. we were walking along and the, the governor of the state was was campaigning. So he was walking through there too, shaking hands and things. And as we walked through, I remember him looking up and, and spotting my father and coming right over, you know, it was like, it, because he he knew my father because my yeah. father worked hard for him. And, and yeah. Uh, and I was, I, at the time, I wasn't that impressed when I got older, I thought back on it and I thought, I didn't even know my dad knew the governor, <laughs> you know, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so they were, they, they, that's, that's something that they really instilled in, in all of us that, uh, you know, God, family and country and freedom and liberty and, and uh, you, it just doesn't happen. You have to work for it. Yeah. So even so- though. We changed, we were different political parties. We always had that same thing in mind. And I, I don't yeah. know that I would have been politically active at all or even grown up with that thoughts without my parents. I mean, my parents put that thought in me and it never went away. Oh, wow. What was it about the Democratic Party that attracted them? What were some of the things that they stood for? My dad was union. He was the union president. And mm. I, 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 I grew up thinking that, uh, you know, I mean, all, all the things that, that he, he they believed about... Uh, you only buy things made in America. I, that, I, those are the things that I remember. In fact, I, my my uh, Republican uh, uh, legislative friends laugh when I tell them that. You know, I remember as a, as a little girl, a young girl, uh, stuffing envelopes and working with my dad and my mother down at the union hall, working to stop uh, right to work in Idaho, which just is hilarious now. You know, you did what? <laughs> but then... It, it helps me in my relationships. My my good friend, who was a state senator and who was the head of the AFL CIO here in, in Utah, we were good friends. You know, didn't agree yeah. on, but we did. You know, we were good friends. And he used to always say, "Well, he just he, he knew it was that union blood running through my veins from my father that made us such good friends." So <laughs> it, it, it's just the way it should be. We should always we should always always care about people and never care you know put politics before people and, and it yeah. makes dear and it's it, it's the only way yeah totally so what about um religion in your home growing up was there any of that well i yeah absolutely and and uh i i grew up in my church uh uh you know always be there always being active however my parents weren't that was that was kind of interesting Oh. They didn't agree on religion. They just uh, let it, they, they picked for us and this is what they picked, you know, and so that's how I grew up. And it was uh, so meaning yeah. that they had different religious beliefs between them. Yes, that's right. That's oh. right. So, so they just, uh, you know, like, like I had a grandfather that was uh, uh, a minister in another uh-huh. church. So uh-huh. that's just that's just the way that it was. Uh-huh. But it was okay. It was like I said, we we grew up in the community. I went to church with all the same same friends in the neighborhood and and that's where I stayed. So, uh did they go to church with you then? That was just kind only of special occasions. Just oh, special only special occasions. occasions. So, how did it work then? Did did they say to you that they wanted you to go to church or did you say this is something I want to do and they just gave permission? Well, they, they felt it was important that we that we go to a church. 
Okay. And so based on something that when I was so little that I don't even really remember, uh-huh. they had neighbors that uh, said, hey, let us take your children to church. And they said, okay. Oh. And that's how it happened. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so was were there were there prayers and, and things like that in your home? Not not as a family, no, but but yeah, there were prayers in our home, but there wasn't family prayer or things like that. Mm-hmm. There wasn't uh my sister and I did a lot together, um mm-hmm. because we 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 both we both just took to where the, where our parents put us. It's it's really interesting. I say, you know, I grew up with these non member parents who are the reason I'm a member. And so says, what so what, like very very young what drew you then to nurture a relationship with with god and to to continue that as a priority as an adult like was there but, a moment of like yeah. conversion for you or well i think we all have moments of conversion and we have to but as a as a little girl uh, my parents felt it very important that we went to sunday school so we started out in another church going to sunday school and that's just what you did and and, and i learned you know, right from the time I could almost hardly, you know, walk and talk and things that to sing the little, little songs of Jesus, you know, little songs that we sang. And I remember singing, Jesus wants me for a sunbeam, you know, just all these little songs. I think music is really important. And I, yeah. I remember more about the songs that I sang. I, I can see in my mind, even the church building I attended when I was very, very young. And, and I can, and when I'm, back home you know where, where i grew up and i go past that church it's a, it was the name of the church was christian the christian church i oh. remember i remember driving by that church the songs that i sang as a little child in that church because i started going to the church i go to now when i was you know like six years old and so wow. for that that i can remember singing songs in that church yeah well one of the reasons why i ask is because you know we we talk about these um, this way to be <clears throat> more mission driven, and it begins with really loving God, and that puts us on a path that centers our life on, on, on truth, and helps us to draw truths from God and receive revelation for the guidance of our lives. And you're clearly grounded there. It's just interesting how you that that road that that took you there. I think sometimes, uh, in, in 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 my situation, it was knowing that I, I had to, I had to work hard to stay firm because mm. that's my sister. My sister's quite a bit older than me. And I said, she went off to BYU and then got married and went the ways of the world with her husband to another, into, to, to Nevada. I say the ways of the world, we <laughs> live in Nevada. <laughs> and, and so I still, I still had my sister in the church, but, but I didn't have her physically with me. And so it, it created, you know, I, I went through, lots of things that I had to, I had to know where I was. I had to find myself and, yeah. and decide, you know, what was really important yeah. um, because I, I didn't live in a situation where my parent, my parents were just happy that I went to church and they didn't care where I went to church. Wow. So, I, so I had to care. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. So um, what about your education? What was that like? Where did you end up? What did you end up studying in school? And well, you know, I I I don't remember a whole lot about things. I college. I just went for a short time. I got married and had children and did did what was called back then correspondence. You know, nothing. It wasn't computers or things. And so oh, 
if you wanted to do something from home, you, you found, you did a correspondence and I, mm -hmm. I did that. And, and then I just, you know, had lots of children and always thought I would go back to school. And then pretty soon I was too busy to go back to school. So, but I, but I did go back to school because I homeschooled my children. Mm, that's what and, I and, and so I was always in school. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, as I, as I struggled through all this time thinking, I got to, I got to find a way to get back to school. I got to find a way, I guess that was, I was driven by that. And then one day I thought, no, I don't. <laughs> I, remember being, I remember being in a meeting one time with a, with a group of women and Phyllis Schlafly was, was there. Um, and we were all talking and one of the women who was my, was with me actually said to Phyllis, she thought she'd go back to school. She thought she'd go to law school. Now that's what Phyllis did. Yeah, Phyllis did that, yeah. Yeah, and the answer that was so strange, Phyllis said, why? She says, you know how many years law school is going to take? And yeah, and she says, especially with your family. Yeah, and she says, well, by the time you finish law school, so many things will have already happened. You will have missed so much. Not just miss things with her family, but miss the demands that were on us at that time mm -hmm. to, to uh, that are the same demands that are on us. To, mm -hmm. to fight for God, family, and country. Mm -hmm. And so I found that very interesting after Phyllis had, you know, in her 50s had gone back to law school. She looked at that and could see where we were now. And we had so much to do that if any of us dropped out to go back to school, we would not be there for those things that we needed to do. Now, she didn't say that was for everybody, but yeah. she that answer that she gave because I was assuming she would say to my friend, that's a really good idea. You need to yeah. do it. Yeah. And she did because yeah. at that point uh, things were, they were at like they are now and, and there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. So everybody's different and everybody picks and chooses. And I think going back to school is a good thing for a lot of women when they, they, you know, it's hard to go to school when your children are still, yeah. You know, it's just yeah. too hard. Yeah. And, and, uh, so maybe going back to school with your children when they get old enough, you know, mm -hmm. there's those things, but it depends on what you're doing. And this particular group of women were leaders in, in Eagle Forum, all very, very busy. And uh, she just was saying to my friend, think it through, think it through, think what will happen while you're in school. Yeah. And, and my friend ended up not going, she ended up not going to law school uh, simply because she could see if you go to law school, she was going to have to pretty much give up everything else she was doing until she was out of law school. And sometimes that's what you're supposed to do. Sometimes for some, for some women, that's it'll be exactly their answer. That's so, so great about being a woman. We could just have more choices than men. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> just the men, yeah. you know, we, we, we really do. And, and uh, in fact, my, my daughter, uh, who was after she, she was went through, you know, college master's degree. And I think at the last minute she decided she wanted she had some professors tell her, you need to go to law school. So she did it, just a last minute thing. And she just hated it. She, of course, she, it was, she wasn't at the best law school because she went last minute. And she came home at Christmas time and she was saying how bad things were. And she just didn't like the school. She didn't, I, says, I says, well, quit then and go get your doctorate. You don't have to get, you know, she wasn't going to become an, an attorney. She just wanted, yeah. to, she was just in law yeah. school. Yeah. Oh, she kept saying, I can't quit and I can't quit. I said, you're not quitting. I mean, you're just changing, you, you know? Yeah. I said, you're you're a woman you can do anything you want and yeah. so so and so she did finish out the year and then she did change and and my friend who is a prominent well-known man here so i was telling him about it and he says you just tell her to buck up and finish and i did him and because he's an attorney and i said uh -huh. you know what 
if she was my son, that's exactly what I would say to him. But she's, she's my daughter. She's a woman. We have so many more choices. She doesn't have to finish law school if she doesn't want to. And so she did. <clears throat> she did other things. She did other things and she has the most interesting life and, and because she made other choices. So I've always said, you know, we, we, we have, we have more choices. Yeah. Yeah. So would you then consider yourself a lifelong learner? I, I hope so. I think, I hope all of us are saying that. Is there ever a day that we don't do something that we learn? So what yep. kinds of, what kinds of, of, of things do you like to read and learn about? I'm always reading lots of stuff. You know, it's funny. People will say to me, what's your favorite book? I, I can't even imagine where I could find that answer. I don't know where to go to find that. answer. Oh, well, so what are some, what are some of your favorites? Like just throw some names out there. What are the kinds of things that you'd like to read? Well, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm going to read anything that's fiction novels, yeah. you know, I like historical fiction. I love historical fiction. I think, I think we learn so much from historical fiction. Yeah. But I want to learn while I'm reading. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to laugh and I want to have fun and I want to have things be exciting. When our children, uh, when we had our children in our home and we would get up every morning for, for family devotional, uh, we made sure that it was going to be just a delightful morning for them because getting children bed out, of, out of bed at six o'clock in the morning is not delightful. It's hard to find anything delightful <laughs> as you drag them off. To the, the, oh, you know, yes. and then with the boys that I used to take the spray water bottle, you know, I had it in my hand just in case I was going to have to spray them, you know, and they, <laughs> so they say they go ahead and get up, oh you know, whatever it is. But we, but you know, we found that if it made it something, just something for them to look forward to. Yeah. So that we've always done is, is re read books to them. I mean, we, we would yeah. finish, and they love to have their daddy read to them. That was always the best because he does, he has expression. He makes things fun. And, mm -hmm. and so after we would have our morning devotional, then we would read and mm -hmm. whatever we were reading, it was always fun and always exciting. And he would read one, maybe two chapters, depending on the book. And then they were not allowed to go find the book and read what happened next. They had to wait till the next day. <laughs> so we always picked fun things, a lot, of, a lot of historical fiction or at least fun period things, you know, that just, uh, that that they 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 would love those books and and we all enjoyed them we all enjoyed them and 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 it made the day fun they were they couldn't wait to read again and hear what happened from the day before and we yeah and so um, I like that you know that kind of of fun and lighthearted reading but at the same time just you know thing things like uh, oh well. Sometimes it, sometimes they'd be be religious things, maybe church books that come from ch church that, but they're they're fiction, they're, but they're historical. The, the characters are fictional, mm -hmm. but the events are not, mm -hmm. and that's how you really learn history and how you mm -hmm. remember it. Mm -hmm. and so so those I, I like that, but but I also just have lots of other things. I mean, I always have to have a book that I'm reading about what the issues are. And then of course, just online constantly reading um, anything that I need to learn about the issues I'm working on. And, and it's, yeah. endless. it's endless. So there's never a time you're not reading. Yeah. I, I, I just, uh, but, but I, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. I, I love Tim Ballard's work. I love to read Tim, mm -hmm. Tim and there, there is historical fiction and yeah. a lot of his stuff and others. It's just, it's just all history. But he, you know, he has a way of just just bringing things to he he brings things together 
that I work hard to bring together. As you know, mm-hmm. I, I study and I read about history and I have, I, I, I try to bring bits and pieces of, of, of religious history, our, our, the history of our country yeah. and, and how, how those things all come together, how, how back from the, the beginning of time, it's yeah. all one big continual uh, learn about, you know, and, they, and yeah. each er, history, there isn't a moment in history that doesn't affect us all all the time because yeah. we just we move on from one event yeah. to the other so yeah, totally. those are the things i enjoy that's awesome so you come from a family of three what made you decide to have 12. i don't know i just i i just i always just believed that i would have whatever whatever children god sent me that's what i'd have and that's what i did wow so let's go back a little bit then um, you get married, you start having a family, and then how do you get involved politically? How did that start happening? How did you get involved with Eagle Forum? I have to tell you, I was talking to Anne last week, and I told her how excited I was to talk to you this week, and she says, oh, Gail Razika, she was my mother's best friend. <laughs> we were good friends. We yeah. were good friends. Yeah, so now- I'm curious how you just how that all came about and at what point you got involved that I grew up politically active. So I have not been never, never not been. I, uh, and even when I changed political parties, it, it still didn't change anything. I mean, I just have always felt like I can't sit back and not be involved that, that. So tell us a little bit about that first, how you ended up changing parties. You know, I can't say that there was an event that happened. Right. My sister did. And I don't, I think we probably did about the same time. Maybe she was first. I'm not sure. It just, it, it, I just found that I didn't, I, I, what I believed was in the other, was, was in the other party for the most part. And, 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 you know, the old time Democrat party that my parents were part of. Yeah. Didn't stay that way. Yeah. and, and so the social issues that I care so much about yeah. and God, family and country, everything, everything I've been involved with has been family. It's yeah. been you know, the family issues. And that's where I found the family issues was in the Republican Party. But I also found when we got I got to the Republican Party and the family issues. Guess what? We had to work hard to keep them. You know, there was always there. There are a lot of people who came into the Republican Party who want, didn't want it to be a pro-life party. We had to work really hard for it to be a pro-life party. And Phyllis Schlafly was the leader of that. She wow. was amazing, the things that she did to save the Republican platform and keep that Republican platform uh, pro-life. And wow. we and we have to do it on the state level. But I've actually been to multiple Republican conventions. I've served on the platform committee multiple times and working to, on, to make sure we keep, have a pro-life platform. Then after that is to keep a pro-marriage, a pro-marriage of marriage between a man and a woman platform. Uh, it, there's just so many things that we have to work on in the Republican party to keep it the, pro, the pro-family party that I got involved with. And people I even ask me about that. Why do you stay with the Republican party? You know, they'll say there's other parties over here. These are, you know, third parties that, that uh, uh, and it would be easier. I told, I told my friends that I said, you know what? I'd like to come and join your party. How fun was it to get together and you all just sit around and agree with each other and nobody 
disagrees, <laughs> and you all raise your hand, smile, and then you go home. And it's like, I'll be back. I'll see you next year. It's the same, same, same place, and we'll all sit around and remind each other what a great party we belong to. We get elected. We never, you know, but nobody disagrees. And yeah. now, I, I have, for, unfortunately, you know, to be part of the Republican Party, I've had to work really hard to keep yeah. their platforms family friendly. And uh, that's what I care about. Yeah. So how did you get involved originally with Eagle Forum? How, like, how did you meet Phyllis? It was in the days that? of the Equal Rights Amendment. And it was actually because of, of, of my church. Okay. Uh, we, it, I, had a, I belonged to a church that took a strong position against the Equal Rights Amendment. And I oh. remember being in Relief Society, our women's organization, and, and uh, having them actually tell us, talk to us about the Equal Rights Amendment, give us oh, wow. literature and material. It's hard to believe now, isn't it? But that's what happened. And so, uh, and that's when I heard of Phyllis Schlafly. Oh. And at that point, the, uh, you know, Eagle Forum was called uh, Stop ERA. Right. And, and so that's, that's how I got involved in that issue and, and, and took me in that direction. When I, at, at the first, I just uh, did what I could do. I had all these little small children and children in the strollers and everything else, you know, and, and. Uh, About what year was that then that you got involved? It was, it was uh, 1972. 72. Is, is, is when it, it first started. Now. Right. I would say probably my involvement with Eagle Forum came came later than that. Yeah. Uh, the the church, I, I had to go out and look for it. And mostly my involvement in Eagle Forum was just getting materials from Phyllis. And, and then from that stuff doing as a church at our church has said, you need to go out and st- try to stop this. You need to tell oh. people, so, you know, that I would take the literature and the material and talk to friends and neighbors and tell them how I felt about it. And uh, so it was... Uh, you know, I lived in Idaho at the time. And mm-hmm. so I was just doing my part. I, I didn't, uh, there was, a, 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 at one point, they finally started an Eagle Forum group in, in Utah. I mean, excuse me, in Idaho. And I was a little bit involved with them, but mostly just involved in the issue. Uh, but then I, I uh, years later, uh, well, not too many years later, I moved, I moved to, to uh, Arizona. That was about uh, well, maybe 50 years ago, I moved to Arizona and I got very involved in Arizona with Eagle Forum then. I mean, with not just, not just getting Phyllis's materials and sharing them. I actually got involved with the organization. So I've been in Eagle Forum for about 50 years. Wow. For, where I, where I'm a member of Eagle Forum and, and, and involved in the local chapters. Mm-hmm. So you were, Taking literature around. I, I said, I don't know why I said 50 years. I meant 40 years. I've yeah. been involved in 40 years, not 50 years. Right. Right. So you find out about Stop ERA and you have some tutoring and kind of how to make a difference politically. So you're taking these flyers around and talking to people. Did you do anything else? Uh, Campaigns. ERA at that time? I Yes. Well, then. I, I, as far as ERA, that's, that's what I did was just, just being involved with, you know, I had this small little young family. We all have our seasons, but I, I was able to do a lot and I met a lot of people and I, I always have been involved in political campaigns. So, so a lot of the work I was doing, I, I can't remember when I wouldn't pick the candidates that I, that I care about and work for those candidates. So yeah, I was doing that as much as I could. 
I would go to the Capitol. I got very involved in the pro-life issue. That was that was the most important issue to me with the pro-life. Mm-hmm. And so anything that was going on, take, taking my little children and going up to the Capitol or whatever that had to do with the pro-life issue is what I where's where I would put most of my efforts um, after we defeated the Equal Rights Amendment before. But but I've always done pro-life and you know, Equal Rights and Eagle Forum, you know, and Eagle Forum is a very pro-life organization. Uh, here in Utah, we did, for a long time, we were, were the only pro-life organization. Wow. So uh, just for all of us moms, <laughs> what did that look like um, when you've got small children in hand and you're headed to the Capitol? What, what did you do there? Um, most of the time when I, when I first started, I would just go to the Capitol and be in the audience or okay. mostly to a rally. Most of that was, to, they'd have pro-life rallies and I'd have, you know, little toddlers along my side to walk along and, and a baby in the stroller or whatever it is we were doing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and try to get people there kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, make phone yeah. calls, get, get people to fill up their cars and go up to the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And that, that was really the beginning of what things that I began to see there and know, you know, what needed mm-hmm. to be done. Uh, so the other years that I lived in, in Idaho, that's mostly what I did and yeah. work on campaigns. I could, and I look back mostly, I think of the campaigns that I worked on to try to get various people elected. And, and uh, so there, so that was, then I, when I moved to Arizona, um, right away, I, I met uh, some women in my church that were, actually members of chapters of, of eagle form and i said gee eagle form that's that's yeah that's what i that that's that's what i believe that's that's who i was working with in in idaho but not but just getting the information and in, from them and things so i got very involved there with with eagle form and so when i moved to utah which was 31 years ago um phyllis asked me then if i would be the eagle form president for utah they had there was a wonderful wonderful lady who was the Eagle Farm president then, and I worked with her uh, for a year or two after I came, maybe a year. But then her husband had some health problems, and so she needed to step down. And so Phyllis asked if I would do it. I was so shocked I couldn't even believe that she'd. I mean, I was new to Utah. <laughs> there was all these smart. I mean, that was what I kept telling her, Phyllis. There's all these really smart women. Why would you ask me? Yeah, the smart ones. You know. Yeah. I, I was just astounded. I finally, but you know, I figured it out. I, I, I told Phyllis this multiple times after, cause I, she just kept insisting it was me. Uh-huh. I, said, I figured it out. I says, God found somebody with an empty head that he could just open up and pour a little <laughs> bit of information. Just nothing at times to get me by. So, <laughs> and just give it, give me the information when I needed it. And I was able, that way I was able to communicate with people because I, I never, I certainly never talked over their head. <laughs> it wasn't possible. So I didn't have enough yeah. in there. So what helped you, how did you make the decision to become the president and how did your husband feel about it? He's very, very supportive. He was never not supportive. Um, you know, I, I, my experiences that I'd had in uh, Arizona with the, the marvelous Eagle Farm president there. Oh, she was just so amazing. And, and, and I had gone, while I was living there, I had gone to Eagle Council and done, I, I, they actually, I was on her board, the, the board there, and I was over at home, this homeschool issues on there. And uh, so I'd had so much experience watching 
this this marvelous woman and what she was doing. In fact, I learned everything I learned from her. She was one who would, would do back in those days again technology and things wasn't what, what we didn't have the technology and things so everything was posters and she was great at making wonderful posters and taking these posters and when she'd testify before a committee she'd use her posters well i could hold the posters for her <laughs> so i i learned everything i learned by being an easel and i just stood there behind <laughs> the poster <laughs> didn't have to look at anybody i'm just holding <laughs> up the poster but yeah. i'm listening <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. And, uh, and learning. And of course, we had chapter meetings and things. And so by the time I moved to Utah, I had been involved with these wonderful, wonderful Eagle Corn people in, in Arizona that I loved so much. They just became so, so, so important in my life. And yeah. so when I came to Utah, I, I had had the experience of working with them yeah. and got involved when I got here. Um, and, and everything is different. You know, when I was in, in Arizona, the things that I did there in Arizona wasn't, we'd go to the Capitol quite a bit, but not all the time like we do here. We would go up to the Capitol for advance for reasons. They tried, they tried, they only did impeach our governor and we were trying to fight and save him. So even my husband was, and we take all of our children and, and I, but I never went, did any of these things. I didn't take my children. I, I yeah. never, ever did it without my children. So as, as, as I moved here, became the president of Eagle Forum here, going to the Capitol often, you know, uh, then got to the point where I went always every day. I just took my children. Homeschool is wonderful. <laughs> you know, had their little the homeschool, but their little bags full of their stuff. And off we went to the, the Capitol and they would, you, you know, sit there and read and study while, you know, whatever we were doing. I even had, you know, I remember when my little boys uh, actually testified on, on second amendment rights and things that would happen. And so they, they all have their stories about growing up in the Capitol they also can tell you all about everything in the Capitol, you know, every room in the Capitol, everything under, <laughs> underground in the Capitol, whatever goes on there. And they, they actually became, you know, good friends with so many of the legislators and yeah. all the women in the kitchen that would give them cookies. And you know, <laughs> oh, cute. It was, and, and then, you know, we started going to the National Republican Convention and we would take the, the children with us. Sometimes they'd get elected as delegates too. And off we would wow. go to the and I uh, always went to Eagle Council every year and always took my children to Eagle Council with me. So they, they, you know, they, they know much about it as I do because they went where I went. I just didn't do it without them. Wow. So um, what did you use? I mean, obviously firsthand experience um, was the greatest teacher, but what resources did you use to help them just better understand like governmental principles? Are there certain books that like were staples in your home or, I mean, oh, yeah. the constitution, we, of course, but. We, we had so many, uh, there, there's, there's so many great uh, leaders and they've written wonderful books on, on um, constitutional government, Cleon Skousen. My children all knew Cleon. When we lived in Arizona, he when he used to come come to Arizona all the time, they, we would go to all of his workshops and wow. children all knew him. They he he'd do his workbooks, you know, that would, would go with his he would write these wonderful books, and then he had his workbooks and they all had their own workbooks and they would sit in his class fill in the blanks, fill in the blanks, you know. Then yep. they would work on. So yeah. so he he was one, but there were some others that David Barton. Yeah. Um, David is a, a real favorite. David has actually stayed in our home. 
my children oh, wow. drive him crazy. They, they, my children, young children would ask him so many questions. They, I had one son who loved David's work so well. He, he just wouldn't leave David alone. They, they would laugh at me. They would, would laugh about how he, Joshua just had more questions and more questions and more questions. Um, so he was another one that we, we just, he, what a blessing. And he, all the materials and books and things that he, he had written to yeah. like, on yeah. that, uh, yeah, that's good that just great. And, and so they, yeah. So, so as far as history goes and government, proper government, proper role of government, yeah. there were a lot of things out there. I mean, Ezra Taft Benson, I had yeah. one son who read every one of his books and yeah. just couldn't put them down and, and yeah. learned, learned so much about the proper role of government. Yeah. And, uh, John Eismo is another one who uh, is, writes wonderful history books and, and uh, we followed John. And John is another one my children got to meet. And, and I, have not, I have not read any of his Look him up. He's, we've, we've brought him in to speak a few times for e, our, our Eagle Forum meetings here. And he's been, I met him originally at Eagle Council. How do you spell uh, his last name? Ismo, let me see. I, it, it, it's almost like it says I-S-I-M-O-E, I think. Oh, okay. Nice. Might have, awesome. it, might be, it might be I-S-I-E-M-O-E. But, you know, anyway, good. There were, and, and there's others. There was others. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, we were just always looking for the good stuff. We're looking for truth. Truth is so yeah. important. So, yes. so finding truth and, and sharing truth with the children, finding a place that we can t can take them. And that's that's yeah. why I, I love I love uh, Tim Ballard, because yeah, Tim, when you read his 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 works, the things that he's written, yeah, uh, it's, it's it's about truth and it's it's about uh, uh, inspiration, yeah, in the right direction. And yeah. so. I, I, I just really, really appreciated that. So, yeah, I'm almost done with my questions. I have some questions from the moms. Two questions, I guess, outside, obviously, of your 12 children and your 46 grandchildren that you're so incredibly proud of. In terms of this work that you've done as a, as a political activist, what is one experience or event that stands out in your mind as, as significant or important or was surprising to you? And what's one accomplishment that that you're especially proud in a good way that that you're most excited about or happy about that that was accomplished? Well, I, it, it's hard to say because we've been involved in so many things that good things that yeah. uh, politically and and uh, legislatively uh, we've got been able over the years to get some really good things passed. Uh, pro-life whenever we can get a really good bill passed that says life begins at conception or life begins at implantation and we've passed those before and that that meant a lot yeah. um, way back when when it meant something and we passed uh, we called in, in the state of Utah amendment three that was that said that life you know that, that we believe that uh, that marriage is between a man and a woman that that was yeah. the law here and yeah. it's and it, that was hard that was a lot of hard work and yeah, we're just so pleased when that was was done. So each time we do something that that furthers God's God's plan, yeah. yeah, that's an exciting time. So to narrow it down to just one thing is this absolutely not possible because each thing yeah. is so important, including some education, some great education things that we're able to do, yeah. and even laws that made homeschooling. Uh, I mean, I started homeschooling years and years ago, and so when it was super uh, not popular. <laughs> oh, we, we lived in Idaho, and we were the the first family in in uh, the Boise School District to get uh, uh, approval to, to homeschool. 
Wow. So, you know, that, that was a big thing. And, yeah. and homeschool is so important to me. I love it so much. I love yeah. it so much that I would say that to the children. We'd be doing things and I'd just say, oh, is, I mean, this is so much fun. I say, I, isn't this fun, guys? Is, have you ever had so much fun? And they're all like, Mom, you need to get a lot. <laughs> you know? But I just loved it. I just loved it. And we'd be just learning <laughs> together and discovering things. And I just, yeah. my enthusiasm was just like, oh, Mom. <laughs> you know, but, but, so there's so many things that, you know, I, I couldn't narrow it down. But anytime we can save babies, yeah. anytime that the family can, can uh, you know, parental rights and the family can be closer together and anytime that we can, we can do anything for marriage or save little children. Right now, children are just being massacred almost. They're, they're, the things that they're doing to, to, to children right now in the name of uh, transgender is awful. I mean, sterilizing them. So as we work on those kinds of things, and each time we are successful, and and children are not harmed anymore, those are the best times. And so it's it's it, I really cannot narrow it down. Yeah, but but you know for 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 the political things, there's those kinds of things, and and other things that I've done, uh, even with some of your family members that uh, you yeah know, that were great things, yeah. that, just great achievements, and and I've always been grateful to have those opportunities. But it still always comes back. You know, we've talked a lot about political things, but it comes back to the family, and yeah. and you know, just just going through this this coronavirus right now and everything that we're going through, the things that I've seen happen just with my own family that makes me think, oh yes, you know, is like one day one daughter got on on the one of the family threads that she gets on, or even starts her own, and she was just beside herself. She's saying, "Oh, you know, I can't take it anymore. Uh, you know, I, I, well, we, she was going to sell her five-year-old to the gypsies. That was the first thing we knew that we selling <laughs> Gabe to the gypsies. I can't take it anymore. I'm done. You know, <laughs> and uh, all this schoolwork they want these children to do, and da, da 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 da. And I read that, and I went kind of rolled my eyes, and I thought, Oh my gosh, oh come on! Right away, her brothers and sisters. It was." within five minutes there were funny memes on there there were words of encouragement there were there were videos with her favorite song there were little things from their childhood that they reminded and the memes got funnier and funnier mm-hmm. and it, not you know two hours later these these children i was just loving every minute of it and watching it and, and laughing and crying yeah and i thought you know what my friend and i were talking about it and and what came from that was okay, I can die. I mean, it was like, they, they're there for each other. Oh, sorry. And I think that's really what it's all about. It comes back to the children, the grandchildren, and that they all love each other. They're each other's best friend. I give homeschool credit for that. But there were older ones that weren't homeschooled with the younger ones. But they're all there for each other. And I've watched through so many times like that. Some of my favorite things have always been these threads that they're that that when I'm gone, uh, you know, I sometimes think, well, I'm the catalyst of all this. No, they're, they they love each other so much, and they're always there for each other. And I think that is such an important thing that that uh, I want my children to have each other and love each other when I'm gone. That that the older ones still help with the younger ones and now they help with each other's children and they do the funniest things the other night they decided to have a dance a thon and so we all got on zoom and 
and and we laughed and all the little you know the little grandchildren were all dancing and having so much fun next thing i know their parents are up dancing too mm-hmm. the thing but it was an hour one evening because some of these children are home all the time and yeah. home all the time and so all the things that I do that I say it's so important for the family and saving the unborn babies and all those things, it comes back to each of us in our own family and our own children. And if we, if we neglect our children to get things done that we think we need to get down, then this won't happen. You know, I, I took them with me every place I went and that's how they all grew so close. Yeah. Yeah. I talk a lot about, well, we talk a lot about uh, mission driven mom about, using your gifts to bless your community and taking your children with you. Yeah. That's, a, that's so important. Yep. And they just see it and, and it becomes part of them. And yeah. Oh, that's, that's so beautiful, Gail. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, okay. Let me ask you a couple of these questions um, that I have from from previously, and then some of these moms may want to throw um, some of their questions out. One did ask, what are you reading right now? She was curious about what you're reading right now. Oh, so many things, so many things. I have a couple of church thing, books from church that, that, that I, I'm reading. I'm reading, um, I can't think the name of it, Another book that has to do, oh, what it probably sounds kind of silly to people hear me say, but what you need to tell your children about marijuana. It was, it's really, oh. and, uh, but I'm always reading books like that. You know, yeah. Yeah. That. Uh, and uh, I, I'm rereading Kim Ballard because I do, I just do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, uh, 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 Abraham Lincoln. And, uh, but the rest of the stuff I'm reading has to do with all the issues that I'm working yeah. on. And, yeah. and then, you know, devotional, everyday devotional is very important. Yeah. Devotional, of course, would always include the scriptures, but may include some other uh, readings of great, of great people and the yeah. things that they have done. And so, yeah. and, and that just kind of takes me on a search. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as I read certain things, then I go I, I go on my search to try to uh, to find those things. And my husband he's he's such an avid reader and he reads all this stuff and he just keeps giving them to me and says you need to read this you need to read this and I say okay I'll get there I'll get there and it's uh, I, I wish we were reading the same thing all the times but things take me in different directions and so sometimes I finally get around to reading what he had read and he forgot he even read it by the time I get to it so. Yeah. So it, it, it depends on where my journey takes me because I spend so much time reading articles and reading uh, things from other organizations and things that we're working on. And then I just finished the legislative session where it's nonstop reading. I'm reading bills. I'm, I'm every, every bill, I have to look up all the information on that. And so right now, anything you want to know about puberty blockers, I've got it all. <laughs> about puberty blockers and anything you want to know about marijuana. Hey, I, I read about marijuana so much. Every time I turn on my television, I mean, my, my computer up pops all this stuff. My children say, mom, I mean, you, you look like an addict here. What's going on? You know? So there's, there's just so, so many issues that I work on that takes yeah. the research. That's why I say I step late at night because when I'm not going to have any interruptions, 
you can't just read one article. It just, everything you read, you've got to click here and you got to click there. And so it's just, a, it's constantly looking for, for answers and finding the right people. But I find such great people when I do that. That's so great. So one of the moms was wondering, um, this is, I'll give you the whole question and you can just kind of take it. It's a series of questions. She says, what principles of government are needed today? Which ones are we keeping or not keeping? And under what conditions is a mass shutdown warranted? Should it be voted for? You know, I actually wrote a piece on that about liberty and the proper role of government. Uh, it got, it was quite controversial. I, uh, the National Legal Forum sent it out. And then, then we, of course, we sent it oh, out. Oh, I'd love to link it here for, for Yeah, I, I will send that to you. Hey, okay, uh, awesome. And, and uh, it talks about just what you're talking about. You know, what, what is the, because we always have to look, what is the proper role of government? Yes. And, and liberty. And remembering that with liberty, you know, comes responsibility. Yes. So, so all the things that we're going through right now, if we all are just responsible ourselves, that's how it should be. I mean, there, there, are, there is a proper role of government. Government can co close down the government schools if they, they think that's the best thing to do. The government schools, not the private schools. So government can shut down government businesses if they want to and offices, but they shouldn't be shutting down private businesses. And, and that's, and, and people have a, a tough time understanding that because uh, they're looking at safety. And, and so the, the, the theme of what I wrote was, was faith, not fear. And by the way, I said, I wrote, my husband wrote it with me. We, we got to talking about it. Yeah. Uh, we, we, in our church, when, when, uh, Sunday before we had the world two worldwide fasts we've having we had uh, our, our bishop ask us if we would we would uh, fast and we would fast that the people would not have fear in their heart and it was it, it was as, as I was beginning that fast and praying and asking that question to God the question was who am I praying for am I praying for me am I praying for the people in our Lord or am I praying, praying for people throughout the world and of course the answer is all but what did that mean not to have fear in their heart? And so my husband and I started having that discussion. I asked him about it and, we, and that's what led to this faith, faith, not fear. And what is the proper role of government and what does Liberty mean? And it's so interesting to, to think about how the founders are, we had founders who died to give us Liberty. And now we are afraid of dying. So we're giving up our Liberty and, and it's not right. And so if we understand the proper role of government, which I think is so important to understand the proper role of government, then we will have the faith just to stand up and say, no, this isn't right. Trust us. And you know, uh, one of the things I said in this, this thing that uh, article that we wrote was, uh, you know, teach them, you know, keep everybody informed, teach them what's happening, teach them what it is they need to protect themselves, give them this correct information and yeah. then let them govern themselves. Yeah. If people are governing themselves, you won't have to send the police out to see if they've left their house or if they're sneaking out the back door or if, the, if they're standing too close to the neighbors. Because if people, if you, if you teach them the correct principles and then they govern themselves, uh, my husband and I, as I said, have been home for four, for four weeks now. Nobody had to come out and make us do this. My husband had open heart surgery. We have to protect him. And guess what? I, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm just so strict about it. I'm driving him crazy. Nobody has, you know, they don't need to send the police out to make sure I'm doing this right. Yeah. Because I have the re that responsibility myself. And so that's how I feel about all this. 
And yeah. uh, I will, I will uh, send you that, that article. Awesome. Um, okay. So what this one says, I'd be interested to know how she views the emergency powers of government and whether the current measures being taken in various states and in the country are constitutional. You know, I, that, that, that's such an interesting question. And, and in this article I wrote, I actually quoted Ann Corey, Ann Schlafly Corey, where mm -hmm. she had sent something uh, mm -hmm. out and she said something very interesting. She said, you know, in the past when we've had pandemics or any of these kinds of plagues and things, they, the people who have been uh, quarantined, who have been told to stay home are the sick people. Yeah. This time making everybody stay home. Yeah. And so if it's back to that balance and what are those emergency powers? Yeah. Logic tells you that sick people need to stay home. Yeah. People who aren't sick don't need to, you know, they, yeah. and, and even those sick people who are staying home, they're not losing their freedom. We you know, again, it's the responsibility and the understanding and yes, the communities. And we always talk about government. But we're talking about communities. Right. Um, I remember conversations about things that happened in the past, back in plagues and even measles when it used to be so scary. And yeah. they would actually put a little sign on the door that says the people in this house, you know, have, have, have the measles don't come in. Yeah. Um, and that was a com the community that did that together. So I think, I think we're looking, because we have this big, big government now that is so overpowering, we, we, we are turning to them instead of to our communities to, to, to govern. Yeah. Um, we are running out of time. If anyone has a last question they wanna ask, hurry and post it. Um, it's interesting, I had this experience in, in, a, in a city that we were living in and we had newly moved there and um, the sprinkler system was broken. And so my husband was trying to fix it. And um, so he would work on some pipes and then he would run the sprinklers for a few minutes to see if it was, if, if, the, if it worked, you know, how we repaired it. And so one day this government official shows up and tells us, well, there are, there are rules in the city about when you can run your sprinklers. You have to run them in the middle of the night. And we've received reports that you're running your sprinklers in the middle of the day. And I'll never forget how I felt in that moment. I felt so betrayed by my community. I could not believe that my neighbors would not walk over to my house and knock on the door knowing we were new to the area and simply inform me that this was a problem, but rather turn to the government because they were afraid of confrontation. You know, one of the things that I admire the most about you is your willingness to talk to anybody because that's a scary thing. It's a scary thing to go talk to people and try to influence them and try to tell them what it is that you believe. And I think that's something that so many of us are trying to avoid. It's one of the reasons why government has as much power as it has, we hand it to them every time we turn to them instead of managing our problems as a, as a community, as a neighborhood, as friends. Every time we tell them we're not 
grown up enough. We're not mature enough to manage your own problems. We need you to intervene. We hand them a little bit more power, you know, and your willingness from the time that you had little ones until today to go knock on people's doors and walk up to strangers and say what you believe and hand them a flyer and be willing to just put yourself out there. It's just so it's such, it's, it's one of those things that absolutely anybody can do, but it's a courageous thing to do. And it means facing that, that fear of what, of confrontation and what the other person is going to say, but you've had such tremendous impact from that one, from being willing to do that one simple thing. You know what? And everybody can do it. And, 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 and it makes a difference if we do. You know, right now in Salt Lake City, they they have even though the state of Utah has not put in place a stay-at-home order, Salt Lake City has, and they have set up a website for people to take pictures of their neighbors that are that are not abiding by the law, that's standing too close together or not staying home, yeah. and post them to that website. I didn't think I'd live to see that day. I know. Uh, I am so astounded. And people are saying they think it's okay. It's really, it's right out of a dystopian novel. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It really is. It's the exact same kind of thing that goes on in all this 20th century fiction that we never thought would be a reality. And these these fictional authors are just taking the current mindset to its logical end. Yeah. And saying, you continue to think this way and behave this way. Here's where you're going to wind up. And we are where we are. And we think that sounds so ridiculous. And you know, it comes fear gets a hold of you and you become totally irrational. It comes back to fear. It's fear replacing faith. And we've got to turn that around. We have got to replace fear with faith because it's really, that's what it's all about. That that's really what it's all about. In fact, I thought when this first started and we decided to quarantine things that we were doing, and I really thought to myself, okay, I'm old. I'm certainly in that, that, that area that could die. And I thought about, I, I actually thought about huh, I could die from this if I got it. And I thought, you know, that's okay. That, that, you know, what would I rather do? Lose my freedom or go see Heavenly Father, (laughs) you know? And I don't want to lose freedom. I don't ever want to lose freedom. Those people who gave us this freedom, they did the hard work. We only have to keep it now. Yeah. And you know, it, the beating down of faith has these repercussions for liberty that people just don't even see, you know, they, they beat it down and beat it down. And, and the kind of faith that sustained, you know, the founding generation, the, the great awakening that happened, you know, that previous generation, it's just um, it to, 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 to boy up faith is like, I don't know. I don't think people, I don't know if people realize just how important it is and how important what you're saying is. Um, Shardine asked the question, um, did you have fears when you had to stand up for what you believe was right? Were you ever afraid when you were, when you were Absolutely. talking to people and standing up? Absolutely. I can't even tell you how many times, of course, <laughs> of course, there's something wrong with me. You know, when you start out as an easel and life is easy when you're standing behind that poster you're holding up. <laughs> And then suddenly the poster is gone and you're faced with all those people who think you're crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's not that fear is wrong. 
It's yeah. just that you need to get rid of it. You need to yeah. you need to deal with it and replace it with faith. Yeah. And, and that's every day of my life. Yeah. Every day. That, that's that's what's getting on your knees are all about. I mean, if I didn't have fear, then I, I wouldn't have humility. They, you know, they're, they, they drive me to my knees. Yeah. And but that's where faith comes in. Wow. Wow. I never thought about it that way. You're absolutely right. That's, that's really uh, an encouraging, inspiring thought to think that fear helps keep us humble and keeps us relying on God. Well, we have taken an hour of your busy life, which we are very grateful for. You are uh, delightful, and I'm just happy that, that I've had this time with you. Let me ask you, as we finish up here, what is one thing you would ask all of our moms to do right now, today, this week, in the coming months? What is something they can do? You know, get involved. Get involved and stand up and speak out. Remember that this wonderful freedom that we have came from God, and he expects us to, to defend it and to protect it and to keep it. And that means you have to get involved. Everybody has their season. You know, you you get involved when when uh, do at the level that you can. But you always are involved. Don't don't think that you if, if all you can do is is make phone calls from home and everybody now can send out emails. But do something. Always do something. Don't don't leave it to other people. People used to say to me, they'd see me at church and they'd say, oh, gal, I saw you. I saw you on the news. I saw you do this. And then they'd say things like, I'm just so happy that that you like politics. I hate politics, but I'm glad somebody like you likes them. And I would think about that as I had, you know, six o'clock in the morning when I got my children all dressed and they're they're ready for the day and their little book bags that we took to the Capitol. And then we drive around the point of the mountain that's here in Utah. It's a terrible place. It snows and it's scary and the snow's coming down. I'm driving around the point of the mountain. And there were days that I was just, I would actually, the tears would come and I would be crying on the way up there thinking, I don't think I can stand to do this. Uh, and to them that was, oh, I'm glad you love politics. That's not what it's about. I don't love politics, but I do love freedom. How can they begin to get involved? What would, what, what are some first action steps they would take? Well, find somebody to work with. You know, for me, it was Eagle Form, and I love Eagle Form because we mm-hmm. we we uh, we cover a lot of issues. We're not uh-huh. a single issue, and that was where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. And in most states, there is a, a local Eagle Form, and you can okay. go to the national Eagle Form, which is just eagleform.org, and okay. look for, for your state leader, and that will lead you to, to that. Or or just send a text or contact somebody at national. If you happen to live here in Utah, contact us. We're utahegleform.org. Okay. Uh, so, and, and again, as I said, there's so much to do and so much of it can be done in your home. And I believe in that. I believe that we, you, 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 you take it where you are and you just, you feel grateful for what you can do where you are. So many people think, oh, I can't get involved because I just, I don't have the time or what, what little bit I have to offer isn't enough. Every time we send out an alert and we send out lots of them saying, call get contact your, your legislator. If everybody would just do that one thing, contact their legislator, what a difference we could make. And then if you contacted four or five neighbors and just give them the same, you know, just say, here, I got this. Would you contact your legislator? It changes. I can I can guarantee you that you, it can be the difference between a bad bill that gets defeated or a good bill getting passed 
by just caring enough at home when you get that notice to follow through. Don't put it aside and say, I'll do it later. You get a notice that says, contact your legislator. You know how it just takes a few minutes. Yeah. And a lot of people taking a few minutes can, yeah. can change things yeah. and, and, and preserve our freedom. Yeah, great advice. All righty. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, I enjoyed it. Thank uh, you. We are so grateful. Um, grateful for all the work that you do. Grateful for the example that you set. Grateful for your time today. Um, grateful for what we can learn from you and for, you know, giving your life for our freedoms because that's really what you've done. Well, with my family, with my family, I always remember that with your family. Alrighty. Have a wonderful rest of your day. If there's going to send me that article, I will post it out and any other information that we can get involved in, I'll pass it on. We'd love to okay. love to do that. I will do that. Thank okay. you. Perfect. Okay. All Thank right. Have a great day. Thanks. You do that.